When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. You notice Jake Ballard, I said football fans, not just college football fans, (laughs) because we're going to be talking primarily about the uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, which happens to be 10 years after Super Bowl 46. I'm trying to remember somebody who played in Super Bowl 46. Help me out with that. Uh, Hard to say. You know, all the heads, hell, it hits to my head. It's hard to remember. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jake Ballard, uh, former Ohio State tight end, uh, former NFL tight end. I think you were a rookie. Were you a rookie in, uh, when you played that bowl game? I'm trying to remember a second-year player. Second year. It was my yeah, second, second year yeah. playing in it. Yep. Exactly. Because you were – yeah, you 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 joined the uh, Giants in 2010, if I'm not yep. correct, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not yep. correct. Yeah, um, you are correct, so you're good. I am. You are correct, sir. But anyway, Jake Ballard uh, – uh, co-pilot for the Tim May podcast this week. Thanks for joining me, my man. I appreciate you having me. Anything anything to hang out with Tim in the, in the winter weather months? Yeah, I know, man. February, the worst month God ever invented. Uh, probably that way down in uh, – I got to figure it's way that, that way down in Australia, too, because it's probably hotter than you know what down in Australia right now because it's well, summer down there. But but I digress. I wanted to get, get on – I wanted to get you on because you played in the Super Bowl. You know what Super Bowl angst is all about? Uh, you know what the preparation is all about. You know about the the feeling almost, I would think, of ecstasy that you've reached the pinnacle of playing in a Super Bowl, and yet you've still got to play in it. You, you know, you got to get over the jitters and play in that game. And the reason I've got you on, too, is uh, one of my, my guests this week is going to be Jim Burrow. I've had him on many times before, the father of Joe Burrow. Uh, had him on many times during that uh that run to the uh, Heisman Trophy back in 2019 for his son. But we're going to talk about a few things with him, too. Uh, but the interesting thing, the reason I wanted you on was uh, just to re- give me the memories of that week building up to that game. Do you remember, uh, and this is a game the New York Giants ended up winning, uh, with you making you know some big-time plays in that game before suffering an injury, which we'll get to maybe later. But uh, do you remember in the buildup, like, as we record this early in the week this week, were you already feeling nerves or was it just, wow, one more game to go? I hope we get through this. I mean, what what, what was just the – what were the thoughts, I guess? <clears throat> well, we had – that season for us was an up-and-down year. You know, we started off strong, then had some lulls in the middle of the season, then had to win out the last three games to make the playoffs um, to win the NFC East. And then it seemed like we were just – breaking stride at the right time. Everyone was healthy. We're playing our best ball. And then we just kind of rolled through the playoffs and we had a gauntlet for playoffs. I mean, we played Atlanta, which was a really good divisional wildcard team. Um, And, you know, number one in their conference was the Saints. So that's why they were a wildcard team. But then we went beat Atlanta. Then we had to go up to Green Bay, second, third week in January and beat the Packers who were the number one seed in the NFC. Right. How Um, cold was it that day? How cold was it? It was about 15 degrees. Yeah. So, I mean, 
not a lot of wind. We actually played there a lot the year before that, and it was negative six degrees with a real feel of negative 15. So not as bad as that year. But, you know, we needed to take care of them. We ran all over them, played pretty well. And then then we had to go to Candlestick and play the 49ers when they were breaking stride with old Jimmy Harbaugh. And we were at a slugfest with them, knockout, drag out fight, and we ended up winning in overtime by a, a field goal and clinched the Super Bowl. So it almost seemed like we just were destined or we felt like we were supposed to be there. So the week leading up to the Super Bowl, I don't think it hit me until we actually got to Indianapolis. You know, we were just another week of practice in New Jersey in our, in our indoor. But the minute we get to Indianapolis and you start seeing all the Super Bowl marketing and Super Bowl signs and where we were staying and everybody making a big deal, that's when it really hit me anyway. Like, oh, oh man, this is this is it. This is this is the real deal. And it was very surreal um, experience for me. Uh, it just it's it's hard to put into words. The media also the media comes around. Right. Even, you know, even if you're uh, on media day, for example, uh, it's a crazy time, too. Right. I mean, do you remember do you remember anybody with the Giants PR wise or whatever public relations wise? Uh, warning you guys about saying stupid things or how to approach media day. Do you remember anything like that? Well, at this point in time, I think we all were, um, most of the guys are professionals and know not to give any bulletin board material. And my media experiences got, I, I became much better once I got to the NFL and I actually was put in front of the camera a lot, you know, at Ohio <laughs> state. I wasn't, didn't get interviewed a lot hard and wasn't in the media room a lot, but at this point in time, I'm pretty used to them and knew what to say, what not to say. So we didn't have to worry about that. Um, it was kind of, it was fun seeing the frenzy of the media day because it was on a whole different level because there's reporters and newspapers from all around the country and world at the Super Bowl. you know, not just your normal hometown guys in Jersey and New York. So that was an experience in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I covered, uh, uh, three Super Bowls way back in the early 80s. Matter of fact, the first one the Bengals went to when they played the 49ers, you know, which kind of started that 49ers uh, reign, <laughs> for one of another term, uh, way back in like, what, 1981 season, 82 Super Bowl up in Pontiac, Michigan. That was my first Super Bowl. Your only Super Bowl was in Indianapolis. I mean, whatever happened to L.A., balmy L.A., New Orleans, uh, Miami, when you needed them most, right? Right. No, and, it, and that worked out because that was that's only three hours from my hometown. Yeah. So a lot of people I knew got to go to the game and I got to get a lot of my buddies into the after party. So it was pretty special for all of them as well. Yeah. Hey, we'll get to the game and everything else uh, in a moment. But I, uh, uh, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, what what were the what were the coaches like the week of the game? Did they try to keep it uh, same old, same old? Uh, did they ramp it up a little bit? I mean, what do you what do you remember just about the intensity from the coaching staff uh, of knowing that 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 told you, hey, uh, we're in we're we're in a uh, we're at another level here uh, with this game. You know, um, I don't really remember them being doing anything crazy different. It was almost like we were all on the same page. We knew it was the Super Bowl. We knew it was a huge opportunity and. The thing about that Giants team, players and coaching staff alike, they all had been there before, three years prior, I mean, previously. So they they knew what it was all about. They knew what to take. They knew the mindset. And that staff, that coaching staff under Coach Coughlin were all veteran coaches. So it wasn't like a bunch of first-timers that didn't know how to act. So we approached it that way. And 
treated it like the Super Bowl and knew what needed to be done to, to win that game. It was just a, a next level up of professional mindset of preparing and making sure all the reps were perfect and you knew your assignments going into that week. Yeah, you know, Matt Wilhelm, I've had him on a few times on here, and we talked about the Super Bowl he went to um, um, way back when he was a player and uh, uh, with Green Bay. And he remembered, you know, they they got courtesy rental cars, you know, were given yep. to them. Um, yep. Do you remember, did, did you get, did, what, what, I guess what were sort of the perks of the week so that, you know, you are a grown man. You're not a college football player anymore. You're not sequestered on your floor of the hotel, you know what I mean, yeah. for, right. uh, for four straight days. Uh, what do you remember about the perks, uh, I guess, in, you know, and did you go to St. Elmo Steakhouse, for example? Did you <sighs> see any sights and sounds of the greater Indianapolis area that week? Well, you know, it's uh, we did get we did get cars, complimentary cars. I think they were the GMC, the, the terrains that they just came out that year. So they, they had a, you know, a fleet of cars that we could drive whenever we wanted. But also being in Indianapolis in February, not the greatest weather. So, like, we didn't do a whole lot outside. The yeah. cool thing about a lot of the downtown, they're all connected through, you know, the walk indoor walkways and convention center. So we'd go to different, you know, we tried to go to the Nike, we go to the Nike suite and then go to the Under Armour suite as players and try and get some stuff. And I had a Nike contract at the time. So I was able to go to the Nike suite and get a bunch of things. And, um, yeah. and then we actually did, Eli took us to St. Elmo's. Um, oh, and it was funny. I was the offense anyway, and I was one of the last guys to get there and I get in and I see some sign. I someone's like, "Oh yeah, the, all the guys are downstairs in the basement, the private room." So I start walking down there, and somebody grabs me from St. Elmo's. Like, hold on, you're you're with the Giants, right? And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay, well, come with me. That's actually the Patriots are all down there." <laughs> so the Patriots are in the basement, and then we were. I think Peyton probably hooked it up, and so we were <clears throat> on the first floor in a big private room. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, they got Elmo's some nice floor. rooms in there. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And it, it was just like the biggest thing that happened in Indianapolis in a while. So there's always people in the streets. You could look out of our hotel room and see the NFL setups for like all the all the games and booths for the NFL, really trying to get fans involved. Yeah. Hey, do you remember uh, tell me I always eat it. Uh, my buddy Bruce Martin hooks us up. We always eat there the night before the 500. We Indy 500. We always eat in the uh, in the. Uh, in St. Elmo's, we eat in the uh, Tony, I think it's the Tony Holman room, they call it, you know, the the guy that really got the uh, Indianapolis 500 really going modern day. But uh, but the bottom line is it's such a cool, iconic place. But uh, during the week, like a Super Bowl team, like a college football team, all your meals, you know, uh, I call it three hots and a cot, you know, all your meals, are all your meals taken care of? I mean, could you eat at like a hotel, at a buffet kind of thing or – do they set it up for the guys that don't want to go out? I mean, how does that work? Oh, yeah. We had meals every day. You know, every time it was time to eat, we'd have excess, you know, accessibility to, to really good meals from the Marriott downtown. So Yeah, JW? Yeah. 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 They, they um, built that almost specifically for the Super Bowl, I think, you know, or yeah. to, to well, help them lure it. But go ahead. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if we were in the JW or the other one because yeah, yeah right, right down the, the tall road, right one down was the, the tall one. New one was the JW, and I think the Pats were staying there. Of course they were because everybody thought they were going to win. Um, yeah. And then we were in the other one towards the convention center. Yeah, but you know, so really good food and never had an issue. I was like, oh, well, what am I going to eat now, or where am I going to go? But it, everything was all available whenever we needed it to. Hey, and what level of food are, I mean, are we talking about steaks all the time? I mean, what, what, what level of food do they, do they, 
do they provide for NFL players, big guys, et cetera? What, 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 what level of food is that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I would always, there's always an option of like little fillets or some kind of chicken or, and you know, you'd have your like protein section. So those would be options, maybe some change ups in there. I don't know, pork chops, stuff like that, but always like a chicken and steak option. Then there'd be your, you know, your carb station with like rice or different kinds of pastas, then, then fruits and veggies and salad, salad stations. I mean, the food in the NFL for <clears throat> traveling from hotels is usually pretty great <laughs> spread yeah. for the guys. And that was around, that was all the teams I went to. They made sure to keep the guys happy and give them good food. Yeah. My buddy, Jeff Snook uh, wrote a book about uh, Hall Carrollson. Basically he did Hall Carrollson's book. Just joined uh, uh, the baseball hall of fame this year as a broadcaster. Hall, and we got to go up there for that ceremony in Cooperstown. But what I'm getting to here, he just, he just marveled at the, at the level of food provided uh, major league baseball players now on trips and stuff like that. Oh, you yeah. know? And it's, it's always the, the creme de la creme, you know, there's right. not, they don't just right. pass out. Right. Uh, they don't just pass out per diem, you know, it's uh, right. it, there's money involved. Right. You're Sorry, going to answer the to door as we speak. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Just my dogs are batting in the glass. Wanted to come in. So and what kind of dogs you got? I have a English cream golden retriever and a giant Alaskan Malibu. Wow. How big, a scoop, how, big uh, a, how big a scoop fork have you got for the, for the Malamute? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you would, you think it was uh, humans that going to the bathroom all over my yard, if you didn't know how big the dogs were. You know, well, we got three horses. I know how big, you know, oh, I, yeah. I know how big <laughs> quote things can get, you know what I mean? But right. uh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's cool, man. Hey, uh, Hey, one last thing. Um, before, we, before I move on, we move on to our, my interview with, uh, with uh, Jim Burrow. Um, what kind of like rules were y'all under that week? If you remember it, Jake, I mean, uh, what kind of rigid rules do they put in place for grown men? I guess that is it, what was Tom Coughlin's, I guess, you know, uh, watchword? Is it just be on time, be ahead of time? I mean, just kind of like explain to people kind of like what that's like, you know, from a protocol standpoint. So, I mean, <clears throat> Coach Coughlin was pretty strict on, you know, being on time to things. He'd set Coughlin time if everything was five minutes early. So, I mean, all the standards we had in Jersey and the facility were brought over to Indianapolis. But, you know, as far as curfews for, you know, like you said, grown men during the week, there weren't any, you know, and we did it. We obviously had a bunch of meetings about, you know, we're, this is a business trip. We have one more game to go. And, after Coughlin had the meeting about that, Eli got up there with the other captains with Tuck and Zach Giassi. He's like, listen, guys, we're, you know, we can't, we're not doing anything stupid. You guys can go out and enjoy the week, you know, have nice dinners. Don't be dumb. If you guys want to party, we're going to party after the game and it's going to be worth something. So, you know, we all had that mindset. Luckily we had a lot of mature guys on that team and no one did anything that I can remember to put us in jeopardy or sit out for the game. And sure enough, you know, we did party after the game winning the thing. So <clears throat> guys going out the week of trying to enjoy the festivities, in my mind, just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You guys got there on like a Monday, a Sunday or a Monday. Do you remember in preparation? I, I think we probably – I know – I don't think we were there the whole week. Um, I think we were there probably just under a week. So I would assume we probably got there on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. And, and did you – did you room? Did, did were y'all rooming with with other guys? I mean, did y'all room with another guy, or did you do you have your own room? So it's if you're a vet. So if you're a three year vet, you can room by yourself. 
I can't, but I feel like I had a room by myself. Maybe, maybe it's two years and above you have rooms by yourself. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I don't think I did have a roommate looking back. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You don't remember that. First reason I was going to ask you was, uh, uh, did, when did the room get really small? Meaning, you know, Hey, let's play. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. When, when, I mean, I've, I've been on bowl trip for finally about the sixth day. You're kind of going, man, let's, let's go cover this game and get the hell out of here. You know, type thing. Okay. Did it, did it ever feel like that? You know, that, uh, that it was good. That it was taking a while like Christmas, you know, for the game to get there. No, it definitely did. And I mean, the day before the game, you're, you're just anxiety is up. You're impatient. You're wanting to get to the game. And you just, as for me, I just kept thinking about all the times you would dream about playing the Super Bowl, and like here it is, and having this opportunity was very. It was didn't feel real. It was almost imaginary. And I remember after our last team meeting, which wasn't too late. I think it was probably around uh, five or six. I remember me and Bear Pasco, my good buddy, um, we ended up watching the 2008 Super Bowl with the Patriots versus the Giants. And just wow. watched you watched every every play, offense and defense, just in the team room or the meeting room set up at the hotel, just to kind of get a feel for it. And it, I mean, they were running the same offense anyway. There's different players, but yeah, yeah. And then, then I definitely I do remember I took Tylenol PM that night because I could not go to sleep. And then the next day I woke up. I normally would take a nap in late games in the middle of the day, but couldn't do that. Just just would watch be watching film or looking at playbooks. Hey, we're going to get to the day of the game and what went on, et cetera, uh, after I get back from my uh, interview with Jim Burrow. But I do want to ask you one last thing. Was there uh, was there ever, you know, you remember any teammates or anybody during the week buildup, any kind of angst involved, meaning, you know, guys going, oh, I don't know if I even belong here. You know, I mean, guys second-guessing, uh, guys – you know, having nerves, obvious nerves that they're about to play in the game of their life. No, I don't remember any of that because yeah. at this point in time, we went through the gauntlet of, of yeah. qualified teams. I mean, besides the Falcons, I would say the Packers and Niners would have had a, a heck of a shot to beat the patch just like we did. So, yeah. you know, in our minds, we took care of these guys. So why is why can't we take down the Pats? And we already beat the Patriots earlier this season. So we're like, we knew they were beatable. You know, beating Tom Brady twice in a season is hard to do, almost impossible for a lot of teams. But um, we know we had all, all the right tools. So there was never there was never any of that, but more like quiet confidence, like having fun at practice, getting after each other, but being smart, you know, not hurting guys on, on, on their team, but kind of just, you know, iron sharpening iron a lot of times. Did you guys? Did you guys each practice? Did the, the two teams each practice at the Colts indoor facility? Where do you remember practicing? No. So because they were the AFC team, they got to practice at the Colts facility, and we had to practice at uh, the uh, man some smaller school who had an indoor facility. They were I can't remember their name or or maybe it was wasn't Indiana State. Um, it was it IUPUI? Was it was it that? But maybe it might have been. So the, I just remember the colors were maroon and white. Oh, okay. But I can't remember uh, the Salukis. That probably wasn't. That's not Indianapolis. No, no, it, no. I'm trying to think where. Yeah, because I've been to Indianapolis a million times. I can't remember. Um, yeah. But it was a decent indoor for a smaller school. Yeah. Okay. Like Butler. 
It wasn't Butler, right. was it? No. No, it wasn't Butler. That'd be fun. It's funny if y'all tra- uh, practiced in Hinkle Fieldhouse. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, there's a couple of private schools in and around Indianapolis, too. Like, uh, anyway, that doesn't matter. But you remember y'all did practice indoors, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were definitely indoors. I yeah. Gosh, I wish I could remember where it was at. I really can't. That's bad. Isn't it funny, isn't it funny how the Bengals had to borrow uh, the University of Cincinnati's indoor bubble to practice? It really is embarrassing, to be honest. The yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Mike Brown needs, if they win the Super Bowl, which I'm pulling for him, they better build one. I mean, you can't just keep, you can't just not take care of your players and yeah. not give them the best, best of the best. Yeah. And their practice facility, you know, is right next to the stadium down there. You know, I think you've been there, but, uh, right. you know, and uh, they just walk across the street, I think, from their regular locker rooms in the stadium. I mean, it's about as budget, budget you can get. I remember when I covered them back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, they practiced at a place called Spinney Field which is on like the like the west southwest side of Cincinnati and uh, kind of in this industrial district and stuff and boy there was nothing highfalutin about that facility <laughs> at all you know right. it was pretty funny but uh, hey they got to the Super Bowl that's all that matters right I mean I keep reminding people Duke plays in Cameron Indoor Stadium you know not exactly a palace of course I think their practice facility is pretty nice but you know it's just what kind of attitude you got when you get to the game right that's what matters right absolutely. Well, hey, let's get to my little uh, conversation with Jim Burrow, who's been on the Tim May podcast many times, including during that uh, run by his son, Joe Burrow, the transfer from Ohio State to LSU. When he got to LSU uh, that uh, second year when he made the run to the Heisman in 2019. And Jim's one of my favorite people ever, former former college football coach, obviously defensive coordinator at Ohio U before he just basically said, the heck with that, I'm going to go watch my son play college football his final year at LSU and what a magical year it's been and what a magical ride he's been on. Right, Jake. I mean, I mean the Heisman trophy uh, ceremony uh, being the number one pick in the draft, although he had to stay home for that because of COVID. Uh, but now the Super Bowl, it's, it's, that's a pretty good run, isn't it, Jake? Oh, it's unbelievable. You couldn't write a, a movie script any better than what the life Joe Burrow is living out now, and not to mention overcoming that knee injury from last year. Yeah. A big knee injury. You never you – know, you know, with any injuries nowadays, usually you come back, but you never know. Yeah. And for him to come back the way he has and lead this young Bengals team who are hungry, it's amazing, especially the ups and downs of their season. You know, the middle of the season, no one's thinking they're going to win – they might not win the AFC North. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they're – Beating Kansas City at the end of the season, taking care of them in the playoffs. I mean, it's hard not to cheer for Joe Burrow. And I've been telling people, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight, but just the energy that he brings to the state and Cincinnati, you know, I might become a, a Bengals side, a Bengals fan on the side. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a there's magic in the air, man. That's what I feel. I mean, I just right. I just remember 2002 about that Ohio State football team that just seemed destined, you know. Uh, right. It literally seemed destined. And in the year, and no offense, but the year in 2006 when everything was lined up properly, you know, it's just you never know what's coming around the corner in, in football, right? Right. No, you never knew, you never do, and especially this year. There are so many teams that are pretty close in talent level, so you didn't know there was no just one dominant team. Yeah. Um, and the Bengals remind me a lot of, like, us. They just got high the right time. And their confidence and momentum building and building into this unstoppable machine. So we'll see what happens against a very good Rams team. Well, hey, we'll get back to more conversation with Jake Batter, ladies and gentlemen, in just a moment. But now let's get to my let's get to my conversation with Jim Burrow. 
And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, encore performance by Jim Burrow, uh, father of Joe Burrow, who happens to be doing something pretty cool right now. What do you think, Jim Burrow? Welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's kind of a hectic week. Uh, I thought the national championship was hectic, but uh, the magnitude of the Super Bowl uh, is is a little overwhelming, to tell you the truth. It's crazy. Dude, it's fun, crazy. It's oh, yeah, just go through, go through the timeline. First time first time I had you on my podcast, you know, you know uh, Joe was coming off that great win over Texas at Texas. You and your wife had crappy seats that night, if I remember correctly, down at Memorial <laughs> Stadium, uh, yeah. whatever, and just moved on to going to the Heisman. Well, actually, you know, Heisman Trophy situation, uh, you know, ceremony, and then uh, obviously he was taken number one in the draft. You guys had to watch that from home because of COVID. Uh, but uh, then right on down the line, your seats keep getting better and better, don't they, Jim? Jim? <laughs> yes, but they were quite expensive this week, even though they, they get a couple of free tickets, but we had to buy more. So, uh, uh, but yeah, they should be pretty good. I, I, uh, I'm hoping and uh, the Bengals have been good this year. We, we do get good seats. So that's, that's positive. Hey, real quick, give me an idea. What, what are y'all paying for seats for all these other people? What are y'all paying? Oh, it's anywhere. Some of my friends are paying uh, $9,000 a ticket. Um, you know, we, we, there's some out there for five and six, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and some of those aren't very good seats, the 9,000 ones. And I, I didn't pay any of that. Some, one of my friends did, but we have tons of friends going down there from Athens. Uh, they don't have tickets. They're just going to hang out and stuff. So, um, and, uh, you know, maybe some, some things will come up, but I doubt if you don't have any leaving Athens, you're probably not going to get them. Yeah, I'm going to be in, actually in Las Vegas on uh, Super Bowl weekend. Oh, so I'm going to go out there with a good buddy of mine, Jeff Snook, you know, and uh, uh, we're going to yeah. we're gonna do a little podcast from out there and stuff, but just to hang out because, you know, if there's any place as crazy as Super Bowl weekend at the site, it's at, in Vegas at those sports <laughs> books where people are betting all kinds of props and stuff. I don't do that, but I like to yeah. watch other people sweat. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean <laughs> well, I, that's the one vice that I've never – I gotten into is, is gambling. So, uh, yeah, I, me neither. It, it interests me for, like you said, other people, but I'm not willing to, to lose money to make money. Yeah. <laughs> me, that's exactly me, but I am intrigued by the lines, by, by the prop yeah. that they throw up. Who's going to be the first guy to get a first down, you know, maybe who's going to be the first guy to pee his pants, you know, who knows what they come up with, you know, in the, <laughs> for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Hey, let's just get right down to it, Jim. How, how amazing is this as we sit here right now, you know, like I said, the first time I had you on my podcast, y'all, uh, Joe was coming off that great win at Texas when everybody kind of went, hey, that guy kind of looks like Tom Brady, you know? Yeah. And now it's like from then on, it's just been an upward climb. But I'll just pinch yourself, is it for you and your wife and stuff, yeah. to, to watch this? Yeah, I mean, we're we're super proud, obviously, but uh, and excited, but it's – it's uh uh, you do have to pinch yourself. It's like a dream, but I don't know if you could fit all that into one dream. It would have to be uh, multiple dreams, but we've just been uh, fortunate, blessed to to experience uh, Joe's ride, his his journey, and and it, it continues uh, for, for one more big one. And uh, uh, we're, we're head out there at the end of the week, and to, to think that your son is going to be a, a starting Super Bowl quarterback, it's, uh, it, it's uh, pretty neat. Yeah, and what, what a run it's been, what a ride it's been. I mean, you know, including this time a year ago, he's rehabbing from a major knee injury. Yeah. You know, I've got Jake Ballard on my podcast this week, too, and, uh, you know, just going over what guys go through the Super Bowl week and then, 
you know, being in the game. And afterwards, he he tore his knee up in the Super Bowl when they when the Giants beat the Patriots mm-hmm. back 10 years ago and stuff. And just the, the sort of like the dark room you go into all by yourself to rehab and yeah. to come back and fight. That's just a major accomplishment unto itself, isn't it, Jim? Well, we, we had a great uh, support team. It started with uh, uh, Dr. Alatrosh in, in Los Angeles doing the surgery. Um, he does a lot of the NFL, NBA surgeon surgeries. Uh, his, his physical therapy staff uh, for about the first uh, month uh, worked with Joe. Incredible. Started making progress. They had him actually putting weight on it the next day. Uh, then he, he came uh, to back to Cincinnati, Nick Cosgray and, and the uh, – the Bengals staff, uh, unbelievable uh, how hard they worked. And, you know, Joe had to, to work hard too. So, yeah. uh, um, but he was willing to do it. There's, there's highs and lows anytime you, you have a, have a re-ba- rehab. But, uh, you know, his, his demeanor, I think, his, his calmness and his confidence that he was going to get it done, you know, helped through that, through that whole process. And uh, uh, he heard that he – People said he wasn't going to do this and that about the first of the season, middle of the season, might miss the whole year. So, you know enough about Joe to know that that motivated him. And so he every day his rehab was with a chip on his shoulder to get ready for that first game. Dude, I'm, I, you know, I get goosebumps when I just think about this, being the father of somebody like Joe. Uh, number one, he's a hell of a stand-up guy to begin with, you know. <laughs> and then to watch him persevere uh, through all these highs and lows, but, you know, obviously making that move from Ohio state when it, when it was clear, you know, that uh, he was at least going to have to fight for the starting job or at least be in the running there. But the other guy, Dwayne Eskins Jr., as you and I talked about, had that, you know, that Trump card, which was that comeback win at Michigan going for him when that decision was made. And, you know, uh, and then suffering an injury earlier that year, that kind of took him out of the running a little bit, you know, every I'm talking about 2000, Wait, what was that? 2017, uh, but yeah. but to make that move, but then to watch him just always step up. I mean, you know, I don't mean to get you going here, but is <laughs> it, does it give you goosebumps to watch your yeah. son take on these challenges? And I don't know if prove people wrong is not the right term, but to to rise above, you know? Yeah, I mean uh, th- that Ohio State uh, thing. You know, he he didn't want to leave. It was the toughest decision that that he'd ever had to make up until that that time and and yeah. uh he it was a long thoughtful process and and he put that uh time in the, to to know that you know he thought the right decision goes to lsu and and then to, to see him you know i retired in 2018 to be able to go to every game in 2019 saw 15 of them and uh yeah. to, to watch these games and his improvement is is uh makes us you know, uh, unbelievably proud. This will be our 21st game that we've gone to this year, uh, home and away. We get to drive to most of them, fly to a few. Uh, the only one we didn't go to was uh, was the Cleveland game. Joe, Joe uh, they rested him in that game, and yeah. and Robin, Robin and I needed a rest too, so we stayed home. But this will be our 21st game. And I guess that doesn't include whatever home games were in – uh, preseason in Cincinnati, we went we went to those too. So maybe there was one or two there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, do you keep a ready bag? I mean, how do you how do you, how do you handle these uh, road trips? I mean, what what are you packing for the Super Bowl? What 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 is a yeah. must have? What's the lucky underwear or the 
lucky bracelet well, or the lucky tattoo you've gotten maybe after one of the jubilant victories. But well, what is it you have going for you, Jim, headed for the Super Bowl? Well, we normally have, I don't know if you can see it behind me. We normally have, can you see the top, the Mike oh, yeah. Bangle there? Yeah. Can you see that? Yes. Uh, that's Mike the Bangle. Uh, Olivia gave that to us. Uh, it's Joe's girlfriend. And we usually have that on the front of our Jeep at the uh, tailgate in Cincinnati and some of the away games. But he won't be making the trip to L.A. So oh. we'll we'll stick to our our superstition on Saturday on game day morning. Uh, his mom, Robin, she texts him probably a little more motherly advice, you know, stay healthy. Uh, good luck. That sort of thing. I text him and, and I throw in some coaching cliches, you know, protect the ball, uh, some of those things. And uh, we're still waiting for our first response since we started doing it at LSU. So uh, we think he looks at him, but it makes us feel better to, to know that, that, that we've communicated with him, at least on our part. Yeah, I was going to say, man, that uh, protect the ball. I remember Walt Harris uh, was a quarterback coach at Ohio State when Bobby Hoying was there back in the mid-90s, you know, his first – his first uh, rule up on the wall, you know, for the quarterback rules was get the snap. You know, <laughs> if you don't get the snap, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, ne never take the snap from anybody but the center, right? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, this two-handed stuff. Uh, but I wanted to get to you with this. You know, as, as you've gone about this, have you found yourself becoming more of watching the game as a fan than as a coach? I mean, what's been your metamorphosis? Yeah. No, I, I watch it more as, as, as Joe's dad. Uh, so some people say, well, don't you watch the defense when Joe's out there? Uh, I really don't. I, I watch Joe and watch the protection. And, and then I transfer my eyes down, you know, to see, see what they're doing once he throws the ball or, or whatever. And then, but I have a chance, uh, uh probably a little more coaching, uh, vision when, when, uh, Lou Anarumo's uh, defense is out there because I can just concentrate on what they're doing back there. And yeah. uh, Lou, Lou's done a great job this year. The adjustments they made at Kansas City were unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I can see some of those things and, and maybe look at it more from a coaching perspective. But it still all evolves around watching Joe as a as a dad and, and Robin watches him as as his mom. What's been the biggest thing that has changed about Joe over the last three years? What what have you noticed about him that is definitely changed i think besides he likes his, to show, besides his bank account go ahead <laughs> i think he likes to show his personality a little off the field with with uh, uh things like the dress code that or the dress you know the suits he he wore last year uh the jacket shades uh, you know the little jewelry i think he's he started to, to maybe feel a little more comfortable uh, uh showing those that aspect of his personality he has fun with it yeah. I don't think you'd see him strolling down uh, Court Street here in uh, uh, Athens with with some of those uh, uh, those things on. But but he likes that. I think that's changed. He, he likes to put that out there. He's always been confident, uh, but he's just a little more confident in himself as far as, uh, you know, showing the that side of his personality with with those type things. You coached football for a long time. You played the game before that, you know, at Nebraska, played in the CFL, et cetera. Uh, what when was that moment this year? I'm talking about you've observed football players and been one your whole life. When was that moment this year when you knew he had gotten past the rehab, gotten past the knee stigma, the stigma, yeah. and was playing his game? When was that moment? Because I, I was I would think as a father, you you know it hits you. Yeah. Wow, he's he's well, really balling now. He's not 
you know, he's holding nothing back. When was that moment, Jim? Well, the, the first game was a huge stepping stone. So we, yeah. we knew at that point that uh, he was at least uh, healthy enough to, to play at a, at a high level. He wasn't 100%. And, and then the, the week after the, the bye, where he, he got a chance to step back, get back uh, with, with Nick and, and get some, some real rehab days in when they weren't preparing for a game. And he came back out and he was a little more active as far as extending plays, uh, scrambling, uh, running the football. And uh, that, that was things that really up until the bye week, I mean, he, he just didn't really try because I think he felt it he wasn't comfortable doing it yet. But that week of rehab and, and getting extra strength in the, in the knee uh, did wonders for him. And he came out much more confident in, in uh, how, how his knee felt and, and able to, to make, make uh, rushers miss, scramble, extend plays, and, and uh, felt real comfortable, more so in the pocket than the first part of that season. Yeah, man, when he's on his game, man, he's, a, he's interesting to watch because he runs better than most people think. He runs actually really well. You know, as you yeah. well know, and then, uh, but his, he's got that look about him. Like you were talking about when you watch him, you know, you watch the game now almost through his eyes, but he's got that quarterback demeanor that I, I, I find hard to explain to people, but I can see, I can just watching a quarterback's helmet. I can see when he is all of a sudden seen something he really likes and yeah. then delivers the ball. You know what I mean? It just, I don't know if it's like a calm comes over the guy, but, uh, he kind of has that look about him, doesn't he? That uh, he's going to eventually figure this play out. He does. He. Uh, I watched the game, a replay of it. I, I don't do that all the time, but I had a replay of the Kansas City game, and and of course they were they had close up shots of him on the bench and and uh, in shotgun and and those type things, and uh, you know they're down twenty one three, and 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 then uh, he 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 looks calm, and then. It's tied, and he looks the same, and yeah, and then uh, he goes back out for, you know, for the final series, and 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 he looks the same, but he's got an ability in the shotgun, uh, uh, Tim, to to uh, to process what's going on on defense and uh, uh, figure it out. So, you know, he sees a matchup. Sometimes uh, his his eyes light up a little more than normal, especially yeah. if Jamar's out there. Or <laughs> he sees somebody one on one with with one of his guys. So. Uh, uh, but he tries to – I think that's one of his strengths is just maintaining his calm and, and everything else around him is is chaotic. Yeah, Jamar Chase, man, one of the great stories yeah. of this NFL. And then T. Higgins coming on. I mean, like I told my wife, his arms are almost as long as his body. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, Joe is just taking such advantage of those guys, right? I mean, that yeah. like you said, it takes I – mean, it takes a team to, to win a Super Bowl. What, what, what's just come, right. on, come on about that offense that really grabs your eye? Well, Jamar certainly uh, took care of the the criticism for not being able to go deep, and uh, that was a, a a huge. We knew he was a superstar, and that's why Joe wanted to draft him. Special young man, special talent. Uh, but then last week, you know, they they did a pretty good job of taking Jamar away, and some of those catches T. Higgins made that last one. Yeah, I mean, Joe put it high and outside. Uh, and he just snatched it out of the air to, to get us in a, a pretty good shot for a field goal. Tyler Boyd's awesome. You know, we're able to run the ball at times, uh, which really opens up the passing game. And Joe Mixon is, is just a, a beast. And uh, so – and the defense has, has really come together. I mean, yeah. uh, Joe in his press conference has said the last two weeks the defense won the game. And, and really that's, 
that's true. If you if you pick one side, the defense did, but it's a it's a team effort. Uh, you know, the special teams has they've done a good job, and and uh, the culture in the locker room kind of has uh, been awesome. Uh, you know, I talk I do talk to Joe about that sometimes, and you know, those guys genuinely uh, uh, like each other, and and uh, uh, there's a brotherhood there that's developed during this season. Yeah, and it, it, there's also something that's definite about this team is they believe in Joe. I mean, you know, like you said, one of the great things going out there is these NFL film kind of things where you see guys on the on the sideline talking, you know, uh, uh, just get us the ball, whatever. You know, I mean, because that means you believe in your quarterback. And yeah. it's interesting, and I'm not trying to get you to talk too big about your son, although it's pretty easy to do that. <laughs> But uh, well, I'm his dad. I don't mind bragging sometimes. He's beaten so. Patrick Mahomes twice this year. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And in that first, that first, the first time when that, that that debacle down at the goal line was turned out good for him, you know. But like Joe said, you don't want that guy on the other side of the field to get the ball back, you know. And right. you know, it, and and then they get the coin flip. I'm talking about Kansas City gets the coin flip last week, you know, uh, for the overtime. Yeah. Did your heart sink a little bit? Well, I, again, I saw the expression on Joe's face when I when I watched the uh, when I watched the uh, uh, the replay. Yeah. And uh, uh, that was that was I mean, he doesn't show that much emotion, but but he did. Uh, he did show emotion, you know, that particular time. And uh, so I, I was worried. I saw what happened, the, you know, the week before. But, uh, you know, Joe Joe's they got really good leaders on that team, good characters character uh, uh per- personalities uh, they show a lot of character and guys stepped up and and uh you know the the, the leaders on the on the team are, are able to 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 really inspire and motivate others on the team to to reach a goal and and uh, uh that's what you know re- really great leadership is and and zach he he provides great leadership too as well as the other coaches See, but to see that your son has become this franchise quarterback, you know, that, that old term that came along when you and I were growing up, yeah. <clears throat> it means everything to have a quarterback, you know, who can get the job done. To see him become that, and you think back to when he was like eight, nine, ten years old and first maybe showing leadership qualities and stuff, is, is that a little bit amazing to you, Jim, that he is now yeah. one of those guys, one of those really select few? I mean, he, he really is. <laughs> yeah, I mean – you saw it early, and and then it it uh, transferred over to to his his play in high school, and you go, okay, it's going to be uh, a little different in in college, and and there you go, you, you see the same leadership qualities and the same ability to you know to step up in in the in the big games and big big time uh, uh, moments, and and then and then he goes to the Bengals, and it's it's really the same. I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's just. You know his his high school coaches, his grade school coaches. They see him now, and they said, "Yeah, that's that's just Joe." And uh, they they expect that because they they saw it when he was in third grade, tenth grade, yeah. uh, senior in high school, and and uh, those guys at LSU saw it uh, 2019 every game. I was gonna say he seems to relish the moment. I mean, relish yeah. the tight moments. I'm talking. You know, everybody loves a blowout every now and then, but. Uh, <laughs> He just seems to like rise to the occasion. As a coach, can you can you as your coach when you were recruiting and stuff? Could you see guys? Could you see that in players when you were a coach, or did I mean, you just hope they had it? Well, you try to to 
to talk to the the people surrounding him, the coaches and all that. You, and you get a pretty good feel, but it's still a it's it's still a little of a crapshoot to to know exactly how how the the, the young man's going to handle the you know the the big time football in 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 college. But Joe Joe always says that you know he he's prepared for those moments because moments because he does it. Uh, him, himself, he does a good job of preparation, and and he's always had good coaches that that prepare him. And he says, if you're prepared, then then those moments are 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 not as pressure packed as one might think, because he knows he knows uh, what to do and and how to go about getting things done. Hey, last last few things. Number one, uh, 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 does he prevision things? I mean, do, you know what I mean? Does he? Does he try to put himself in the moments in the in the week leading up of what to expect? I'm going to react this way if this happens. Kind of like yeah. go, <clears throat> go through scenarios that you know you know you know. Kind of like if you know where the fire escape is, you, you sleep a lot better in a hotel. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he knows he knows if people are playing certain co- coverages, uh, and he sees that that there's nobody to to counteract or tackle him on, on the quarterback scramble. He looks, looks for, uh, escape lanes. Uh, he knows if, if, if you're going to blitz, uh, uh, you know, who, who's the, the hot receiver, he's able to process, uh, coverages. Uh, so, uh, yeah. you know, that, that helps him pre-snap reads. Uh, and, and so you add all that up and, and he has a pretty good idea before the ball snap, what he's going to do with it. Now, some of those scrambles, uh, some of those, uh, uh, extension of plays is, is just, I mean, you said he was a good athlete, so that's yeah. just having a knack for it. It's hard to prepare for, for that, but certain times when he, when he runs, he knows, uh, he he's got lanes to do that. Yeah. It's a knack and a feel. I mean, you know, a yeah. lot of people can run, but yeah. can they run the right way? You know yeah. I, mean? I, mean, I mean, when they're hanging just... on his, when they're hanging on his back and stuff and he, he's able to throw them off. I don't, that you're really not prepared for that. You just kind of yeah. go with the flow there and, He's been able to do that the last few games. Did that one scramble where he worked out last week, and then he stepped. The guy kept chasing him. He stepped through it like a leg hole trap that just missed, you know, and just kept going. <laughs> you kind of go, man, you can't make this stuff up. This just has to happen, right? <laughs> those, those and he would tell you those guys chasing in the NFL are so fast. I mean, oh. you, you better be able to 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 get out and and do a little uh, uh, running to to get away from those guys. But uh, you know, it's it's worked out good so far. Yeah, we'll see how long Josh Allen lasts, but I don't want my quarterback running a lot of zone read option and on keeper. Let's put it that way. No, I want to ask Joe, you this Joe though. Would like, Joe would what? like to, but I'm sure they're not going to let him do it. Oh so. no, man, you're much more. This is what yeah. this is what sets you apart. Real quickly, uh, were you amazed by the way the offensive line got its act together from one week to the next, from going from nine sacks and also getting knocked yeah. down really hard many other times the previous game to to what they did last week. And do you think that will carry over into this, uh, into this Super Bowl against Aaron Donald and, uh, and Von Miller? Do you have a little bit more well, I guess, confidence in that line now? I think they're confident. I mean, they're, they know they got a challenge and, and, uh, you know, when you give up that many sack, I mean, you, you, you take it personally and, and, uh, you know, some were the, some were Joe's fault. So, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the five offensive linemen every, every time. So you look at it as a, uh, as a as an offense, the staff looks at it, and and I think they they you know personally uh, got themselves uh, ready to go uh, against the Chiefs, and and uh, uh, I, this this could be you know the best best front four that they faced, and uh, yeah. um, in the Super Bowl, I mean that's really 
what you expect. So uh, I'm, I, I know they're going to do a good job and, and have a good plan and, and uh, looking forward to, to watching it. Well, as Tim May says right now, if they can protect him a little bit, the opportunities will be there in the passing game. I do believe that. I mean, obviously they are in the NFL, but uh, definitely in this game, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I wanted to ask you two other quick things. Okay. What is the one thing – have you been to – I'm trying to remember if you've been to L.A. You've been to L.A., haven't you, for yeah. a game? Uh, uh, well, I coached in a Pac-10. We used to yeah. go to UCLA, USC, Cal, uh, uh, Stanford, all, all those places. But yeah, I've been there and uh, uh, spent some time with with uh, Joe a few days when he was working out there with Jordan Palmer for yeah. for a pre pre draft. And uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's hectic. <laughs> how, how how early are you getting there? And what is a place yeah. you definitely want to take your wife to? You know, I mean, y'all have a, a, a like either a great uh, you know. Uh, a great uh, viewing thing or a, uh, yeah. a great restaurant or something. What, what is it? What is a place that's must you definitely going to do no matter what? You know, really, uh, I, we're, we're not really going there for any type of sightseeing type deal, but I guess if we were, we're going out Thursday and, and uh, spend a few extra days is, you know, this time of year in Ohio, you always want to go to the beach, right? I mean, it's supposed to be 80 or 85 degrees. So whether it's just a walk on the beach or, or take a, uber over there and, and hang out and have some some lunch or dinner then uh, uh that's really really all i'm interested in and and uh and that i think we'll do that do you get to stay do you get to stay at the team hotel or do you have to make your own no. i mean how, how does that work no the, the team the Bengals have done a great job of organizing the family travel uh the players were instructed the things to do i kind of jumped in there and 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 joe took him out of the loop uh so, so that we were able to fill out all the forms and, and organize the, the tickets. There was a few things we had to, uh, you know, discuss with him. But I can see where if the player is, is doing that himself, I mean, you can lose focus. Uh, you can get distracted. I mean, it's a process. I mean, we're just now today finalizing that whole process with the Bengals. And, you know, they Joe couldn't have uh, really – done you know he likes to stay in a routine and and that routine could have definitely been disruptive if if rob and i hadn't kind of helped this thing out yeah hey last couple of things i know i said that but you know it's my calling card you've been on my podcast before. yeah you you say something and, and it jogs me to want to ask you one other thing uh uh is it i don't know he played for a ohio high school championship he won a, a national championship now he's playing for the super bowl championship does there come a time in a man's life when you go you know he's got the it factor i mean he he you know that's the common denominator yeah. is him at quarterback everybody dreams of being that guy or maybe having a son who's that guy <laughs> but is it do you ever step back and go yeah you know my son is one of the few well yeah i mean but he's always just wanted to win championships when we had travel basketball and we didn't win the Sunday final game of the tournament. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't say much on, on the way home. And uh, he's always that's just been his goal to to win championships. He doesn't set personal goals. He really doesn't care about personal accomplishments, but he does care about winning and 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 winning championships. And uh, he's always had just a really unbelievable desire to compete and, and a will to to win and a will to to prepare to win. And, and so 
uh, that, that's worked out good. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's been surrounded by, by good coaches and teammates. That always helps. Uh, you know, I think he's had good family support from, from really our whole family. And, and uh, uh, as you said, it takes a lot of people to, to win championships. And, and he's been fortunate in that regard. But it's been a, a one-track goal for him since he was really second and third grade. And that was to, to win a tournament or win a championship. And we got a shot. I tell you what, man, and some of the great guys around him. Sam Hubbard's one of my favorite guys ever played at Ohio State. Von Bell. It's one of my favorite guys there. We got Eli Apple sitting there, former Buckeyes, former Buckeye players. Is as I said, even Joe, he's a former Buckeye player. You know, not a former yeah. Buckeye because he, he's always going to have that on his resume. Uh, yeah, he's a but, graduate. He did. He did. He is a graduate there. So, exactly. Uh, they they so. hit him up every what every two months for a, some kind of like a alumni donation. <laughs> well, if he's giving money, it'll be the LSU. I can promise yeah, you that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, he gives back to LSU. Isn't it amazing, though, uh, Jim, before you go, isn't it amazing how the coaching wheel turns and Ed Orgeron yeah. was on the top of the heap and, and and you know what I mean, in your pro- yeah. profession you were in it. Isn't it crazy? I mean, you look at Jim Harbaugh, thinks he's going to get yeah. the Vikings job, and now that, wow, he was on the top of the heap yeah. five weeks ago. I mean, isn't now it we- nuts? I, we, you know, we were disappointed the way it ended for Coach O. I, I yeah. didn't know all the reasons, uh, but, uh, you know, Joe, Joe uh, getting recruited by LSU and Coach O really changed his life, changed our family's life, and uh, we're always going to be indebted to him. We love Coach O, and, and he, he has a uh, special place in, in the Burrow family's heart for sure. Hey, one last thing, uh, and I'll let you go. Uh, although you can hang up any time, you know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> My phone uh, may go dead here. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. What's your call? What's your call on Sunday? I mean, what 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 would this what will this game pivot on? And what's what's your? I know you're going to pick the Bengals, but why? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I think we got to be able to run the ball uh, to to be able to take some pressure off their their pass rush. That's a a common again coaching cliche, but more so important in a in a big game uh, like this. And then you know on defense, we got to. Uh, a limit their explosive plays. They got a lot of firepower over there, and uh, but, but there's so many things. But if you could if you could establish a running game and then prevent explosive plays uh, on defense, then uh, you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll be in good shape in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and Zach Taylor's come along as a play caller, in my opinion. I mean that that uh, or at least the Bengals have that that little uh, toss, little screen pass to Samaji Pirine was so huge in that game. You know where he yeah. took it. I mean there are all these little things that kind of come together that that interception by Hill, you know, right at the line of scrimmage. These, these playoff games and and the Super Bowl, it it can come down to one or two or three or four or five or six plays. And they're big plays like, like that. I mean, you can, you can go back to each of these playoff games and and say, okay, here's five plays that, that, that turn the tide of the game. And, And I'm sure it's going to be like that in the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Burrow joining the Tim A podcast again. And Jim, have a good time out there. I'll talk to you when you get back, uh, you right. know, maybe a week or two after you settle down. And uh, the hoopla, I really believe the Bengals are going to carry this out. And uh, yeah. as as I, as I keep telling people, I think the better quarterback right now, the one playing the best is is Joe Burrow. We'll see. Because I've always liked Matt Stafford. I always <laughs> thought he deserved a shot, you know. And he finally ended up on a team where he could play. It is kind of interesting how these things have come kind of come at each other, isn't it? Yeah, it's the uh, we're excited. You know, we're uh, we're confident that Joe's going to play well in the Bengals, and uh, uh, we'll we'll uh, see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanks Jim Burrow. Him.
Thank you, man. Thank you. All right, man. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate uh, Jim Burrow for joining the Tim May podcast. We had some great times in that build up to the Heisman uh, way back when and uh, for his son. And now he's going to the Super Bowl. And this is something uh, his son will be experiencing and Jim will be experiencing basically for the first time uh, game day. Uh, what do you remember about game day, Jake Ballard? Do you remember waking up three times that morning? You remember just getting a good night's sleep? And then what were your thoughts immediately when you woke up on Super Bowl morning in Indianapolis at the Marriott in Indianapolis, Indiana? Wait, wait, did you go, wait a minute, Indianapolis, am I in the wrong city? <laughs> no, right. Why is the Super Bowl here? Uh, no, I woke up feeling pretty drowsy because I had to take – like I told you earlier, I had to take Tylenol PM to go to sleep, which I never usually have problems sleeping back then, but just woke up and just immediately kind of felt a pit in my stomach. Like, okay, well it's here. So it felt like it was a, the day was a hundred hours long before we even got to the game. And I, but I feel like once we pulled up to the stadium, like, all right, Oh snap, it's here. And then that, from that point on, it just kind of flew by. I felt like. Really? We'd go out and warm up and warm ups and be in Indy and seeing the whole facility. It was just insane. It just was a. That morning, were your coaches or your teammates, were y'all keen on still watching video? I mean, in a preparation step, when does the, when does that part of the preparation end? I guess, you know, for a, for a pro football Uh, team and how much is too much, I guess, but go ahead. I guess there's never. I guess there's never too much of preparation. I guess I would say prefaces by saying that it'd be too much if you start second-guessing what your game plan is. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Stick to your game plan, go with it. So, like, day before game and all the meetings, you know, often, you know, team, offensive, then position groups, you would still be going over certain things or maybe there's a last-second thing, a note the coach wanted you to see. But I think every guy was different. Some guys just stick to their keep looking at, at film with themselves, or maybe they just go through plays, or maybe they wouldn't. You know, maybe they're like, oh, you know what, I'm all, I'm set. Let's just get to the game. So I don't think there's any right, right, wrong, or indifferent there. But some guys just like to watch all the way up until a couple hours before leaving for the stadium. What do you remember that was special when you went out for warmups? Uh, was there anything? Like, first, was there? Did anybody leave any kind of note or anything special in your locker at the stadium, uh, you know, uh, where, where your stuff is sitting there waiting for you to, to don your gladiatorial uh, um, outfit? Did anybody leave any kind of note, any kind of like were, were, the, were, the, were the jerseys different? I mean, what do you remember about as you walked into the locker room, walked to your locker? Was there anything um, different about that experience compared to the week before or the game before? No, not really. I mean – the coolest thing is probably just seeing all the people blow you up and sending you texts, wishing you luck, right. From all yeah. the different facets of your life and timelines in your life from high school, you know, junior high, high school, elementary to college and pros. So that was cool, but nothing, nothing crazy different. I think it was just really neat when you actually got to walk out of the tunnel, whether you were going to go warm up before the team warm up. So you just go out in shorts and your headphones by yourself and kind of walk around and take it in. And that was pretty special. And now that I think back, I did have like, I think I went out there with <laughs> on my iPad for some reason was taking pictures with my iPad, but now I'm thinking, I don't Wait, even, you're one of those guys, <laughs> right, right? One of those guys. Cause that was a cool thing to do then. And I'm thinking, I don't even have the iPad anymore. I don't have any of those pictures. So <laughs> yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. I know. I, I, 
I don't know how many pictures of, you know, the, the, the good, great thing is you always have a, you always have a camera with you. You know what I mean? There's always right. a camera now. Right. The bad news is you always have a camera. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, I've taken thousands, maybe millions of photos. And I think I, I've got about eight of them I keep, you know, and uh, of course right. I'm so lazy. I don't go through there and call it. Cause I go, Hey, I may need that photo one of these days, you know, right. but uh, they don't, but, but yeah, I can imagine that you're just, you're trying to figure out, hey, I've got to capture this moment because everybody says it's going to be special. It is special, but what's really special is actually being there, standing on that field, getting ready to play the game, right? Right. No, yeah. I mean, like I said, once you got to the stadium and started warm-ups, I feel like it all flew by so fast looking back. Um, and I do remember a couple of times during the games where I would take it in, like during a TV timeout, you know, or two minutes – you just were sitting in the huddle and you just kind of look around. Yeah. And I remember one time I knew where my parents and knew where I had my parents there and siblings and my brother and one of my, and Evan Blankenship, my buddy were there and they were like in the end zone sitting together. And I remember Evan had my blue, a blue giants Jersey on that wasn't a real Jersey, but like, so it was big and he was a big guy. And my brother had one of my legit jerseys on. So it was really tight. So that you could really spot them from pretty far away. Yeah. At one point, I just started looking at them in the huddle, and they told me after the game, they're like, hey, did you look up at us, like, a couple of times? I'm like, yeah, I did, because you're easy to recognize. And he's like, yeah, because Evan looked at me. He's like, I think he's looking at us right now. <laughs> That's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, it is it funny, though, cool. from game, like, you can see a lot of people, man. It's not like you're yeah. 10,000 yards away, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's not like you're sitting in a tree stand hoping a deer comes by, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. uh, uh and plus, you know, as you're warming up, as you're going through your thoughts, you know, getting your thoughts together and stuff, is it more of, I hope I don't screw up, or is it more of, man, I hope they throw me at least one pass? I mean, what what was your sort of your prevailing thought, you know, as the, as the kickoff uh, near? Uh, for me, uh, it wasn't – I don't think it was really either of those. I mean, I guess I felt like I was prepared enough that I wasn't going to make mistakes yeah. in my assignments. So then it's like winning my individual battles. And obviously, yeah, I would have loved, you know, I was like, dang, I'd love to catch a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl. Um, but also, I, our, my main mindset was we got to win this game. Like, yeah. nothing's guaranteed. There's no guarantee we'll ever get back. I'll ever make it back. So we, I have to do what I can to help this team win the game. You know, I got to cover the Buster Douglas uh, uh, win over Mike Tyson in Tokyo. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is um, that night, what I what was most apparent about Buster was how accurate he was with his punches. Meaning, you know, anybody can throw in and throw anybody can go in and throw punches, but to be accurate is right. another level. You know, that's why I always watch the first uh, the first uh, several minutes of a Super Bowl. I want I want to figure out which quarterback is definitely on his game from an accuracy standpoint, you know, and which one isn't. But I'm just wondering, you know, when you're a tight end glorified tackle on on some occasions and stuff. Uh, do you remember being very accurate with your routes, with your blocking? What do you remember about your performance as that game ensued? Um, I felt like I played pretty well. I mean, there's definitely some things they threw at us that was different from the first time we played them, as, as expected. We just didn't know what that was, whether it was a DN's slanting, you know, a lot of movement on the D line or different types of blitzes trying to change things up for Eli. 
you know, them yeah. us being them the first time. I'm sure, of course, Belichick's going to put more wrinkles in. Like, duh, we just didn't know what that was. Um, so looking back, I thought I played. Okay, I thought I played well. Of course, there's players, but I think that's with any competitive player. Like, I could have played better. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. A couple times, I might have not broke. I should have broke the route faster, or finished blocks, things like that. But that's, like I said, that's pretty normal. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing I could do about it now or after the game, but, you know, we ended up squeaking it out, luckily. When you first went into the game and you're on the field for the Super Bowl, what was your thought? Hey, don't screw this up. Was it, oh, my goodness, spring burrow, you're a long way away. Well, it was only <laughs> 130 miles down the road. Uh, what, what, what was just your first thought when you're standing out there, you know, because we all seen guys with jitters, you know, one way or the other or not jitters. You know, what right. What do you remember standing there on the field and you're about to run a play for the first time ever in a Super Bowl? Oh, my first thought was I just want to get this first play over with. <laughs> you know, just, I just want to get this first hit out of the way so my jitters can calm down. And I was going to fire off the ball no matter what, as hard as I could, run play or pass play. And I can't remember. I think it was a run play. But then it's like as soon as the game gets started and you get that first couple of plays under your belt, then it's like, all right, I, I'm I know where I'm at now. This is normal. Let's roll. Let's ride. That run play, did you do you remember making a block? Do you remember blocking the right guy? Do you remember go you remember having to, like you said, make a split second uh call, change, whatever, because they did something you weren't expecting from the other side? What do you remember? Just give me that uh, first play, man. I know you can remember it if you think. Oh, it was definitely a run play, and I definitely blocked my guy. I, yeah. They didn't do anything crazy on that one. Um, yeah. You know, and I think it was – I would have been willing to say it was probably something with Brandon Jacobs probably inside run or a – it wasn't power, but yeah, that would be my guess if I can I, – I, and, you know, to this day, I've, I haven't watched that game on f- film really other than the when we got back into town, probably because of the injuries, but uh, so – Maybe I'd remember more if I did watch the whole whole thing. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how many how many catches did you have? I'm trying to remember. I just had I just had I think two catches, two yeah. or three. Two, I had two catches for probably 20 or 30 yards. Uh, nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, I was running a lot of routes, but you know, he, Eli was hitting other guys, which is fine. Like we're winning the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, number one, number two. What's it like when you finally catch a ball in the Super Bowl? I mean, though, you know, is it do you you know a lot, a lot of people think you're sitting there in the game, like a lot of people are sitting in the stands or at home watching it going, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't screw up, you know. But I would think you get into a flow where you're just – you're not thinking, hey, I'm about to catch a pass in this Super Bowl. No, yeah. You're thinking, I'm going to – I got to catch his pass, right? I mean, yeah, give, absolutely. give people that what that feels like, you know. Yeah, yeah. you're not thinking, oh, this is Super Bowl. You're, it's a game. Like I said, I was so antsy to get that first play under – first couple plays under belt. So that's all right, now we can play. It's another game. The stakes are higher, but this is just the same old football game that we've been playing our life. Now it's just execute and make plays when you can. When did you know that you'd suffered a knee injury? When did you know, oh, my goodness, wow, this this can't be happening? Give, give people a little bit of insight into that. Uh, well, I, re- I got I tore my ACL running a route and went down, and I knew it was – I knew right away it was something serious, not like something minor because it's – just seeing people only do tweaks their MCL or meniscus, like they usually could play. And and I knew it wasn't right. Didn't feel good. And then when I tried to run on the sidelines it made it worse. And I guess I didn't really know how bad it was. Obviously I knew it was my ACL at that point. Yeah. Um, At what point in the game was that? You remember? 
Fourth quarter of seven minutes to go in the game. Seven minutes left in in the ultimate day of your football career. Yeah. Yep. And uh, seven minutes away from a second contract too. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it couldn't have been the worst time for me for for playing purposes and financial purposes. But uh, I don't know if I ever thought after I like the day after I got hurt at the stadium, like. There was never a woe is me. I can't believe this is happening. It was more kind of shock, like, dang, it did this really? Ha-? I mean, oh, I'm hurt now. And now it's like, of course, I want my team to win. But now it's like taking all my focus is on me. And I'm yeah. not, I, I would think that's not me being selfish. That's kind of just the situation. Like, well, I've never had a major injury. What is it? Like, what's happening? But then, like, oh my gosh, we're this is a Super Bowl. You know, we're down seventeen to fourteen or whatever it was, and it's just like I was torn between myself and watching this game. Of course, of course. And you know, and they and then they took me back to the locker room. And I don't know if I've told you this. They took me back to the locker room, and then there was no TVs in the locker room. There's no radios in the locker room. And the Super Bowl, you know, there's never. It's never lopsided. It's never like, oh, 80% Giants fan or 80% Patriots fan. So people are cheering for everything. You don't know if it was good, bad, and different. So I'm in the locker room and we're hearing cheers. And I'm like, I got to, we got to go out there. Like, I can't just sit in here. I'm already hurt. Like, it can't get any worse. I mean, it gets worse if we lose the game. Yeah. So I ended up like hopping down the hallway because they didn't even have crutches for me. And then eventually they got me a golf cart to go watch the last play of the game. It was, Luck that cheering we did here was the touchdown of Ahmad Bradshaw going in for the go-ahead touchdown with 55 seconds left. Wow. Uh, they didn't even have crutches. I mean, wow. No. Well, that's well, positive. Thank no, you. Well, <laughs> well, one thing me and you didn't talk about or I haven't talked about either. So my buddy Travis Beckham, Wisconsin Badger, he was our, you know, one of our tight ends. And yeah. he was in he was more of a receiving tight end, but they used him a lot with me and him in there. And he'd do a lot of like H back stuff and running downfield. He tore his ACL the first half of the game. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. The fact that that happened to him and then happened to me is insane. I mean, the, yeah. what were the yeah. chances? So then Bear was the only tight end left. Wow. That kind of limits your playbook. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, exactly. So, so, you know, as you look back on it, Jake, I mean, the greatest day, maybe. I think you would say it's the greatest day of your of your athletic career, your football career, right? I mean, winning a Super Bowl ring, being part of that, catching a couple of passes in the Super Bowl, but then you paid the ultimate price, you know that, which is what separates football from almost every other sport. You know, right. uh, as you look back on it, was it? As you look back on it now, is it bittersweet? Because like you talk about, you had a contract year coming up. You know, I mean, you were gonna you were going to cash in on the fact that uh, people had not drafted you way back when, you know, people talk about the, uh, the Brady snub or whatever. I mean, are you kidding me? He was taken in the sixth round. He wasn't totally forgotten altogether. Uh, You were finally going to cash in on being a big time football player. Like you always thought you were. And yet was, I don't know how much did that just take away from the experience uh, of knowing you had this major knee injury. Now you were going to have to rehab from and, and it ended up altering, obviously, your career and essence, your life. But go ahead. I mean, it. Yeah, it was the greatest day of my sports career. But also at the same time, the sec, it was the flip side. It was the worst day of my sports career. Yeah. Um, so the emo- I was just all over the place emotion wise because we did win this game, 
But then when you picture winning the Super Bowl, you picture being able to run around with your teammates on the field. Confetti. And confetti falling, going to hug your family, uh, just being able to walk, going up on the stage with everyone holding the Lombardi trophy, all those things that this injury took away from me that I didn't get a chance to do. Uh, I didn't even get to hold the Lombardi trophy until four or five day or days later at the, the New York City parade. Like, I finally got a chance to hold it. And, you know, I was so bummed after the game. Well, then then after the game, we go in the locker room, and I'm still in my football pants. I can't walk. Like, I had to have people help me cut my pants off. And, you know, there's tons of people. The whole locker room is filled with people from all different parts of the world yeah. trying to interview. People were happy. And I'm sitting there like, man, I got to – I kept, I'm sitting on a chair going in the shop to shower myself, like, you know, an, an invalid, you know, just not what I was expecting. Yeah. I never thought. So everybody around me is all celebrating. I'm just kind of woe is me a little bit in my head because I was, didn't know what the future held, especially I had so much writing on it personally. Yeah. And then going back to the hotel, my family's, everyone's obviously concerned about me and my knee and the same time they're happy that we won. And at one point I just told him I wasn't even going to go down to the party with the team. Like, I'm just going to stay, I'm just going to stay up here. And eventually they talked me into it, into going. And I'm glad I did obviously got to celebrate my, all my teammates, all my friends and family, you know, on crutches, but you know, we, I'm pretty sure me and a couple of my friends in Bear Pasco were the last ones to leave that that party that was thrown to us at about two or three in the morning. So well, you need more painkillers than the other guys. <laughs> a lot more painkillers. Was Beckham there too? Do you remember Travis Beckham? I mean, were y'all yeah, me hanging Travis, out together? We, we were. I mean, we were just hanging out. Me, Bear, and Travis were all hanging out with our families all around us. And me and Travis were there on crutches, looking like we just got hit by a bus. Not wow. You know, and like you said, this this altered the timeline of my life, the trajectory. Um, everything happens for a reason. I'm definitely it's one of those things you look back and you wish you could have been different. But at the same time, I wouldn't be where I'm at today because of that. Uh, yeah, personally or my relationship with my wife, I would have never met her. A lot of things. So, I mean, it all happened for a reason. And you can't hold on to that stuff because that'll eat you alive. You yeah. know, the bitterness of not maybe not having the career you wanted to or make the money you wanted to in the NFL because it just will constantly erode everything good. So for me, it was easy to look on. I got to have this crazy ride, wild ride that most kids dream of yeah. for just a short minute in my life. And I cherished, I mean, I loved every second in New York. I loved every second in New England um, and the opportunity I have with the Cardinals playing under Bruce Arians out there. So um, I can't complain about how everything worked out. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, bottom line, flip side is, you know, you might still be playing without an in, you know, without the injury. I mean, you're 30, what are you, 34? 34. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if I was, you know, Gronk's still playing. Um, I know. Tom I Brady's 44, 45. Right, you know? <laughs> right. right. I, I mean, if I didn't get hurt, I think I definitely could have, I think I could have been an eight, 10 year guy pretty easily if I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not what is in the card. I want to ask you this though. I, I've always marveled at this. And this is the last thing about that. Uh, I think it gets me about coaches. Uh, and, and it, I'm not meaning in a bad way, 
but they almost they almost during the at least during the heat of the action and stuff they almost have to be calloused about who is and who isn't in there who got hurt you know what i mean things like that it's almost it is as close as you get to the military without being in a military conflict isn't it i mean football as you watch it now you know, you and I do those pregame shows on uh, 97.1 The Fan. Totally enjoy doing that with you, et cetera. You and I play some golf together, at, you know, et cetera. But does it – where is it interesting to you how football uh, is so real life in a lot of ways? I mean, and guys do suffer injuries and catastrophic injuries for this group to get to where it wants to go. I mean, is it – I don't know. Is it – is that worth it, I guess? I think it depends on who you ask. Like, if you asked all my teammates, would it be worth it? Like, if you asked them, hey, would it be worth it for Jake's career to be over to win the Super Bowl? I would assume most of them would say no. Yeah. You know, but is it part of the game? Yeah. And it is. And for from a coach's standpoint, most coaches are, uh, it just depends on the injury, right? If a guy keeps getting soft tissue injuries, things like that, where maybe his preparation could help. And, and if he, stretch more, strengthen more, he might not be sitting out on a game day. But injuries like knees and shoulders and stuff where it's like, yeah, you need he needs surgery to be able to play. I think they're pretty good about that. And yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. No, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the heat of battle though. It's oh, it's gotta, up, you know. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's gotta be a hard job because then they're mind like, okay, well this these plays are out. Like yeah. this situation plays out. We got to pivot. And that's why I was <laughs> Very thankful. I love Coach Gilbride, Kevin Gilbride, NFL coach for a long, long, long time. Yep. He was one of my favorite coaches. He got it. He was fun to play for, fun to be coached by. So the fact that he can just pivot like a flip of the wrist and say, all right, well, these plays are out. These plays are in. Let's, let's hang our hat on these. Um, it's pretty special. Yeah, it is. It is interesting how a team perseveres no matter what. Uh, real quick, uh, one last thing. You have insight better than anybody joe burrow suffered a catastrophic knee injury you know a year ago i mean a year and a couple of months ago and boom he's playing in the super bowl you know as well as anybody the work he went through just to get back to where he could run again you know right and right. Do, do you give it up to him i mean we talked about that a little bit earlier but you know that there's some toughness there and some want to i guess right i mean that drives you during those dark hours when you're the only guy who really knows what you're going through to get back into playing condition. Uh, explain to people what that's like, I guess. Oh, I mean, especially with the ACL and he had some other stuff going on. Yeah. The rehab was is obviously, I think the rehab rehabbing from that was harder than any training you've ever done. Healthy, you know, when you're healthy, you don't have problems. You're, yeah, you might be ran into the ground or times where you might pass out or you throw up, but then it's over, you know, all right, we're done. Yeah. You rebound your ACL. It's not going as fast as you like. You can't walk on it for a little bit. You got to fire all, you know, get your muscle, your mind muscle connection back again. You get your strength training. And then also there's points in times where ACL is really vulnerable or really sensitive to can tear again that you have to be smart with training and, there's times where you're literally by yourself doing rehabs while the team is doing other things. So the mental toughness to come back from that and also stay, you know, taking it one day at a time, I think adds to his whole package of cool Joe. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Shoot. He, he worked his tail off at Ohio state. It didn't work out. He transferred, 
Well, and he kept trying to get better every year. Then he graduated, transferred to LSU, had a good year, then had his unbelievable year. Finally, first round draft pick in the Bengals, eight games in, we're going to take this away from you. you know, so now you're back to not playing. And he just seems like he just – every challenge that he's faced, he overcomes it. And he's just so, so – seems so super hyper-focused on the task at hand. I think that's what makes him cool, calm, and collective and just also an, an incredible competitor. Agreed. Uh, who do you like in this Super Bowl and why? So, I I, I might be biased. Uh, I like the Bengals based on the fact that after the Titans game, there's a lot of question marks if they can protect Joe. Well, they went into Kansas City, only think gave up two sacks to a very good Kansas City defense, and they made some tweaks and they got them. They kept them. They kept them up. Uh, their defense obviously made some in-game adjustments to hold Patrick Mahomes to three points after the first half. Yeah. Um, I don't see there. I don't see why there's no reason they can't do this with the Rams. Now the Rams, I would say, is a better defensive front as a whole or defense as a whole from the Kansas City Chiefs. But you know they're going to have to double Aaron Donald and they're going to have to chip Von Miller whenever they can to slow him down. But they can do it. I mean, they've shown they can do it. Um, and <laughs> I really like the offense of the Bengals with the three guys they got yeah. with, um, you know, Boyd and Lamar Chase and Higgins. Yeah. That's cool. That's that reminds me a lot of our receivers. You know, when he had, we had uh, Mario Manningham, Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix. Like those are all three studs. And yeah. then, you know, it's the stinks. They're tied in. Osamoa got, or I think that's how you say his name, uh, got hurt because he was really coming on. But yes. Sample's a good, it's solid tight end who can get the job done. And, you know, they're back. Um, the Oklahoma kid, why am I blanking on his name? Um, oh, I knew you were talking about, yeah. Uh, they're Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon, yeah. duh. I, yeah. I want to say, you know what I, so, I want to say? It's Samaji P. Ryan, you know? I mean, right. you're I kidding wanted, me. Yeah, they're both Oklahoma guys. No, but I want to say Cabrani Mixon, but yeah. you remember that yes. name from the past, but it's Joe, yeah, Joe Mixon. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, Stafford's played with a chip on his shoulder. He's like, I'm here, and he, this will legitimize him if he's going to be a Hall of Fame guy or not. So it's going to be interesting. I just think, I think the Bengals have a really good shot if they can control the monsters on the Rams. Yeah, to me, what intrigues me, it's intriguing. There are a lot of intriguing storylines, but you you just touched on it. The the storylines for the two quarterbacks. Finally, yeah. Matt Stafford's on a team that's capable, you know, and he hasn't wasted it. Yeah, he's had some tough times. You know, they've kind of won despite him a few times, you know. Obviously, some of those games were close uh, on the buildup, on the lead-up to this, just because of the way he played, but then he got the job done. Uh, but he's just amazing in the, near the twilight of his career – that he gets a shot at the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, here's Joe Burrow, the great comeback player of the year, already or uh, you know crowned as the comeback player of the year. And you know, you you and I both remember him. I remember him when he was 17 years old. Here he is playing in the Super Bowl, and you get it's it's just amazing because it's really funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I give the nod at quarterback to the Bengals. I mean, I really do. I I just think Stafford has been sort of like hit or miss to a certain extent and at times a little frantic, you know, it really impressed me the way he settled down in the pocket and threw that little uh, pass up the middle to, to uh, uh, Cooper cup when he found one one-on-one coverage with Antoine Winfield jr. The play of the year really for them against right. Tampa Bay. That right. just showed me, wow, in the moment he was there and engaged and delivered a great ball 
you know, but what right. bothers you is those other balls kind of he throws in between. But I right. just I don't know what's your take on that actual quarterback position. Forget about your sentiment. Oh, uh, I, I think since they might have the advantage there. I I do. I do think Joe has an advantage because, like we've noticed, he's playing like a quarterback who's been here before and who's done yeah. it all his life. Isn't that queer? Isn't it queer, though? I mean, it's really, it's really odd. Weird. Yeah, it's really odd how cool he is. And, and he made some big plays with his feet, escaping the pre- you know the pressure against Kansas City, almost been ben, Big Ben-esque back in Big Ben's heyday, like just yeah. rolling out, get, escaping tackles and staying up. Um, and Joe's not going to make a bad throw. And if he does, he's not going to let it happen again. Or Matt Stafford's a little more wild, wild west. I'm going to sling it a little bit, but you know, I re- I just remember seeing Aaron Rodgers always talk about Matt Stafford. He's like, this guy doesn't get any credit for what he's doing because of the team he's on, but he's been doing yes. he's been doing stuff for years with bad offensive lines or bad receivers throwing no look passes. So I mean, yeah, no better. Um, it's it's when you have no better compliment than when somebody one of your peers is talking you up. So I just think it's going to be a crazy game. But I I kind of give the nod to Joe if Joe comes out and does what he we've seen him do these last six games that he's won in a row. I don't I think it's going to be a long day if they can keep him upright. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, hey, one last thing, uh, just a quick hitter, you know, hit here. What do you think? What's going on up at Michigan, man? I mean, uh, you got a coach who. Wants another job, head coach wants another job, doesn't get it. Um, you know, we're a lot of this stuff is you kind of hearing between the, you know, between the planks, so to speak, but about telling these coaches, take the week off, you know, go go do what's best for you uh, before he leaves to go up and interview with the Vikings, et cetera. But, and and now all of a sudden, you know, they're both their coordinators are gone. Josh Gaddis has gone to Miami. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes left a real good parting shot, you know, <laughs> about right. About the place he left, I mean, just what's your take on it all, uh, Jake? I just can't believe we're in an, in a time where the University of Michigan and all their football prowess and history is is okay with letting their head coach continuing to shop around to upgrade a situation. I tell you what, I really appreciate uh, Jake Ballard. He's become one of my best buddies uh, over the last couple of years, and it's funny how you cover a guy for a while and then you get to know him, and he's just salt of the earth. Uh, even if he does wear camo a lot, <laughs> maybe that makes him salt of the earth. But he does have the deer. He does have the deer carcasses to uh, back up the fact he wears camo. He's not some fake camo dude. Uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate Jake Ballard joining me on this week's Tim May podcast, previewing the Super Bowl, what he went through as a player playing in it, both the good and obviously the bad, suffering an injury in the greatest game of his life and greatest day of his sports life. And then also Jim Burrow for joining me again on the Tim May podcast. Man, you got a son playing in the Super Bowl. Not only that, but he is he is the focal point of a of a team that's gotten to the Super Bowl for the first time in what thirty three years, thirty six years. Uh, how exciting is that to be a father uh, in that kind of situation? And so you feel good for Joe Burrow. You feel good for Jim Burrow and his family. And uh, you know I've got a feeling basically the Bengals are going to win this one. I just think they could be the better team on Sunday, not just the more magical team. But uh, we'll find out. But you know what? For those folks, uh, until next week, this is the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then.